Welcome to uh, the final week of our series on the book of James. How are you doing tonight, Mike? Doing good. I like that little microphone. Sorry, you flip. caught me. You caught me in the act. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, yeah. Hopefully you've got to uh, really take part in this series on the book of James. And maybe you've got to, uh, in your own private time, just kind of reading the book of James. And we uh, went over chapters one, chapter two. We encourage you guys to read chapter three. And uh, Mike and I are going to co-teach tonight. Always excited to co-teach with Absolutely. you, my friend. Absolutely. Uh, it's Always an honor. a pleasure. The honor is mine. It's all mine. No, it's mine. The honor is all mine. Okay, so uh, we're going to have a good time, and we're just going to dig into the Word of God and see what the Scripture says. The book of James uh, is such a powerful book. You can find like so many life principles just on a few verses. I mean, you could take one verse and, and spend like forever on it and studying it. But uh, one thing that I think you'll find is a theme throughout the whole book of James, is faith. And he challenges the believers, and and James was the brother of Jesus. He wasn't uh, an early uh, believer like when Jesus was doing ministry, but somewhere along the way, he he got saved. He realized that Jesus is the Son of God. He became a believer, became a leader in the early church. And when the church was being persecuted and was scattered uh, all over, James was writing this letter encouraging them, and he's encouraging them to have faith. And, you know, uh, basically like the Journey song, you know, don't stop believing. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Don't stop believing. Have faith. Have faith in God. You're going to make it. You're going to press through. Just keep believing. And so uh, we're going we're gonna to pick up in James chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 6. So you guys can kind of follow along on the screen if you have your Bibles or if you want to open up to your version app, you can do that. But James 4, 6, he says, but he, talking about God, he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. This is what I'm talking about. There's so many, like, incredible principles just power-packed in here. Bam, bam, bam. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. So I've preached on verses like 6 through 8 a lot before. And we're not going to preach about that tonight um, because I want to just focus on verses 9 and 10 of this passage. And 9 is an interesting passage because it's not often that you hear this, especially in the New Testament, be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. I don't know about you, but that's, that's some of those verses that I just kind of like skip <laughs> a lot of yeah. times. Like, okay, let's gonna go to a happy verse. Right. But this is not a happy verse. Um, and <clears throat> the key to this verse, like what, what is he talking about? Why is he telling us uh, to have gloom and to have mourning? Why is he telling us to do this? Well, the key is in verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. It's in humility. Because when you're mourning, you're, you're in a humble position. You're broken. You're at your, you're at your low point. And he's telling us to, yeah, hey, look, if you're having just a great time and everybody else is being persecuted and, and you're doing fine and everything's great for you, maybe you, know, maybe you need to humble yourself a little bit more. Maybe you need to get into the action. Maybe you need to realize and see what's going on because this is a time to weep because this is a time of great pain and persecution. And when we humble ourselves, 
That's when we mourn and we weep and our laughter turns to mourning, our joy turns to gloom. When we, humble, when we view life through a lens of humility, um, you know, we, we, we lower ourselves. We put ourselves in a low posture. But the good thing about a, a low posture, a posture of humility, is that we are set up for a miracle. We're set up for God to give us grace. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And let's look at verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. First of all, what does it mean to be exalted? It means uh, to be honored. It means to be praised, right? I don't even have to take a, a show of hands tonight on who would like to be exalted, because the answer is everybody. Everybody wants to be exalted. Like We, we chase after being to be honored. We want to be honored. We want to be praised. We want to be uh, uh, recognized. I'll tell you a little story about yesterday. Um, I noticed in my house this, uh, do you have wood floors in your house? Yes. Okay, I so I have wood floors, yeah. and I noticed all this grass. The kids track it in like crazy. Crumbs on the floor. So I just grab the broom, and I start sweeping up some crumbs. Well, you notice like more crumbs and more grass, and then after a while, I just swept the whole downstairs, right? And, uh, Mike, do you know what my wife said about it when I did that? No, what did, what did she say? Absolutely nothing. She did not say a word about it. I swept the whole downstairs, said nothing, no acknowledgement, no recognition. And so we're driving uh, down the road later, and I'm like, so, how did you like it earlier when I swept the whole downstairs? Did you like that? And she's like, oh, yeah, that was great. Thank you so much. See, I could have gotten in big trouble right there because she could have started listing like all the things that she does that she doesn't get recognition for, and her list would have been way longer than mine. But I was, I was trying to uh, exalt myself a little bit, and that's, that's when we all uh, really get into trouble, is when we try to exalt ourselves and we try to, we go after praise and we go after uh, honor. And, and sometimes we're so starved for honor and recognition that our pride, it tries to force the issue by exalting ourselves. And so we might pretend to be something that we're not to get some honor. Uh, we might, instead of doing something just in, in God's sight, we might go out of our way to do it in, in other people's sight and do it in public. I might even post about it. Look what I did. Because we're trying to get some honor and we're trying to get some praise and we're starving for that. But but that's dangerous because it's pride. That's our pride, trying to exalt itself. And, and pride uh, is, a, is a look at me type attitude. And it's very dangerous because he said in verse 6, God opposes the proud. And another version says God resists the proud. And I don't know about you, I never want to be on that side of the line. I don't ever want to be in a, push, a place where God is pushing me away, resisting or opposing me. Uh, but humility is the opposite of pride. If pride is a look at me attitude, humility is a look at God attitude. And it's this place where we lower ourselves and like, God, I'm nothing without you. And so we can't take honor. We can't take praise. But what we can do is we can plant seeds of humility planting seeds of humility, and when those seeds grow up, then the honor will come, and it won't, it won't have to be us honoring ourselves. It'll be God honoring us, because humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. 
We live in a culture where everybody's trying to exalt themselves. We don't have to do it. We shouldn't do it. It's not right to do it, but we can exalt God. We can humble ourselves under his authority, and in the right time, he will be the one to exalt us, and it's much better for God to be exalting us than it is for us to exalt ourselves. It always turns out so much better. So if your focus has been on receiving honor, then it's time to shift that focus. This is what he's telling us, to shift that and instead give that honor and that, and that praise to God because when we honor God, God will honor us. Yeah, absolutely. And I love what you're saying about you know, we all want to be exalted, right? We all want to have that feeling. And, and the thing is, is that the, the, the feeling of being exalted is a feeling that is temporary. That the, the rush or the, the satisfaction or the fulfillment that you may feel from being exalted, that is something that is temporary. But being humble is a, is a lifestyle. It's, it's a mindset. And so when you get exalted by either the world or by yourself or you get exalted by God. When you're exalted by God, it's a much more, uh, much more satisfying, much more fulfilling exaltation versus something by the world. So, Amen. Um, and so, and that, and that's, that brings me to just a, a small point that you know there are people who you'll never meet doing things that you'll never see in places of the world that you'll never go to, and and that's that's a huge thought. That's something to that is is interesting to think about because there are people everywhere doing things that you don't see on Instagram, that you don't see online, that you don't see celebrated. But yet they're changing the world and we have no idea. And so, and so if, if, if you're not necessarily getting recognition, it's not the end of the world. So, so keep pushing, be humble, and God will exalt you in it's due good. time. So we're going to move now to a, uh, uh, the uh, next section of uh, Scripture. So this is James 4, 13 through 17. And this is what it says. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Uh, reading this verse always reminds me of, a, of, a, of that saying that you probably heard from your grandma. Like, I'll be there as long as the, uh, the good Lord's willing and the creek don't rise, right? Anybody ever heard that before? Okay. No one's, okay. Hunter has. Okay, and listen, that's a saying, I promise. Uh, but yeah, it's like saying basically like, I'll be there if the Lord, you know, if, if, if the Lord is willing and the creek don't rise. I mean, I don't know how else to explain it. So, um, so and, and I think it follows with the, uh, the theme of humility from the section before, because it's a, it's a sign of humility to submit our plans and to submit our tomorrows to the sovereignty of God. And in the ESV study Bible, it says about these verses, and I'll read it to you verbatim. It says, planning and investing are not wrong, but arrogant self-confidence and boasting are. And that applies to all of us in here tonight because all of us are either planning or investing in something, right? Or planning for something. We're, maybe you're investing in your education. Maybe you're planning on getting married. Maybe you're preparing for your next job or, or you're investing in a savings account to make a big purchase. Whatever it may be, we're all planning or preparing or investing in something. And James is telling us here to, to not get ahead of ourselves, right? Don't put the cart before the horse. Uh, it's good to prepare. It's good to have dreams, but we can't we can't have all of our stock into what we think is next for us because ultimately God is in control at the end of the day. And so it's better to submit to what his plan is, whatever that brings, than it is to be arrogant 
and boastful about our own plans. And, uh, and, then, and then James goes on to say that if you know the right thing to do and you fail to do it, for you it is sin. And that, that, I feel like that kind of switches gears a little bit, but I didn't want to uh, just move right past that. But uh, just like Kevin said in week one, that verse is kind of like a bucket of cold water. You know what I mean? I mean, we, we've all been in those situations, right, where we feel like there's a, a right thing to do in a situation, but yet we don't do it. And so I would encourage you tonight, when you're in those situations, do your best to do what you know is right. That's good. That's really good. I think that's such a good principle to live by, just saying, well, if the Lord wills. or if, if like Not only if the Lord wills and the creek don't rise, right. I'll be there. Like, yeah, yeah. I'll come to your party if the Lord wills. But like, no, I'll, I'll, I'll go and I'll, I'll major in that if the Lord wills it. You know? Or yeah, I might marry that person if it's God's will. Or I might move there. Or I might go there, I might do that if the Lord wills. Like that's, that's a great principle to live by because so many times I think we want God to follow us right. rather than yeah. us following God. But God doesn't follow us. He says, he says we need to follow him. Right. You know? yeah. And so uh, Proverbs 16 verse 9 says, The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And so we're going to have different plans in our hearts, like, oh, I have a plan to do this. I want to go out and do this. Well, if the Lord wills it, maybe the Lord hasn't willed it, you know? And so we got to be careful about that because uh, we got to get in line with God's plans and not ask him to get in line with our plans. Right. Absolutely. So uh, the next uh, few verses in chapter 5, this is 7 through 11, is talking about... Chapter 5. Chapter five. Moving Turn on to page. chapter five. Uh, so this is um, this is a, a section that talks about patience and suffering. So I want to read to you. This is verse seven through eleven. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate, compassionate and merciful. So just as a reminder, you know, we, we've said this a few times, but this letter was written to a group of Christians that were being persecuted during a time that was known as the dispersion. And you can see that in the first few verses of James, where he said, I'm writing to the 12 tribes of the dispersion. And so there, there were these Christians scattered all throughout the Roman Empire on the run for their lives. And so here he is telling them, hey, you need to be patient in your suffering. And so, you know, obviously they were not in a very good situation. They were suffering terribly. They were afraid of, of dying and being killed for their faith. And he's telling them to be, to be patient, and, which is kind of crazy to think about. And, and, he says, and, and he says that, you know, in times of trouble and in times of danger, in times of, of suffering, Tempers can, of, can often flare up, and, and things can often get a little heated, and, thing, and arguments can start, and things can get uh, tough because your patience is running thin. And, and James is saying here that it's dire that we have patience in times of suffering. And maybe you're in a, in a time of suffering right now, that maybe you have lost a family member, or maybe you have uh, been battling depression, or, or maybe you're, you're going through a, a tough circumstance at school, or maybe you just had a series of tough circumstances. But in the midst of those situations, God wants you to be patient. He says, don't let it turn into grumbling. Don't let it turn into bitterness. Don't let it uh, make you turn away from God. Because the enemy would love nothing more than for you to cut off communication with him. 
And so one thing that, that I've learned is that, you know, oftentimes you guys have probably been there, you know, you, you're in a situation and, and things don't look too good. And so you start to have these negative thoughts like, oh, I'm not good enough, or I'll never get past this, or I'll never uh, see the light at the end of the tunnel. And you get those negative thoughts in your head and they start to kind of take hold a little bit, right? And you can't really get past them. And one of the things I would encourage you to do, like when you, when you feel those thoughts coming in, when you get those thoughts in your head, take them to the extreme end result. Like if I constantly believe that I'm not good enough, if I constantly believe that God is not as good as he says he is, if I constantly believe that, that God is not going to answer a prayer, if I constantly believe that, that God's not gonna come through, there's no end to this. If I constantly believe that, where is that gonna take me? What road is that gonna take me down? And maybe at the end, it's you walking away from your faith completely or no longer believing that God even exists. And you know what? If that's the case, the enemy won. The enemy wants to get in your head and take you down that road and you can't let him. And so anytime you, you feel those thoughts coming in, take them to the, the extreme end result. And if it's something that's not glorifying to God, don't let that thought stay in your head. Take it captive, make it glorify God and move on from there. Um, and, uh, and I love that he used the example of Job. Uh, and, and we talked about Job in here a few weeks ago. And you, you guys probably know, or at least familiar with the story of Job where he was an upright guy. You know, he did everything right. He was blameless and, and basically God gave Satan permission to sift him, to take everything away from him. And he had every right to walk away from his faith, every right to grumble, every right to be bitter, but he didn't. And breakthrough came for him. And so just like he said in here, he says that the, uh, the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. And so the day is coming when the rain is going to fall, either in this, li- in this life or the next. And God wants you to take hope in that. And so I hope, I hope that you can. That's really good. And it comes to the, the theme of the book of, jo- uh, book of James about faith. You know, Because you, yeah. when your patience is stretched thin, it comes back to having faith in God, like not having faith in your own faith, not having faith in yourself, or, but having faith in God. And uh, I know you guys are young adults, so everybody's in a season of patience. You're having to, to wait on something, wait for school to be over, or wait for that person that you've been waiting for, wait for them to come along. Um, waiting for a, a career move to take place, waiting to, to get out on your own, uh, to go and, and do that thing, or whatever kind of breakthrough that you're looking for, uh, just, just be patient because 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that's the love chapter. Have you ever heard of that chapter out of the wedding or anything? Uh, yeah. Like I mean, every wedding? Yeah. Okay, 1 Corinthians 13, it says uh, love is patient. Love is patient. And so when Jesus was asked, like, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God. And so it's part of our, our relationship with the Lord. It's part of loving him that love is patient. And so it's, 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 sometimes you're in seasons of waiting on the Lord. And what do you do? You just keep waiting. You just wait on the Lord, and, you, and you're patient, and you have an attitude of faith that the breakthrough is eventually coming, and it's going to happen. So it's really good to close out. The, the whole book of James, he, he closes his letters, uh, his letter to the believers by challenging them to have faith. And so in verse 13, he says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. 
Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. So I think he's really challenging them here. Have faith in God. If you're suffering, then pray about it. Do something. Pray about it and have faith and believe God. If you're, if you're cheerful, do something about that and, and praise. And when we praise, we praise in faith, you know. Uh, if you're sick, come to the elders of the church. Have faith and they're going to lay their hands on you. They're going to anoint you. They're going to pray for you and you're going to be healed. He says, uh, if, you're, if you have sinned, then you're going to be forgiven. Like he's saying, uh, how do we know that we're forgiven? How do we know that we're saved? It's by faith, right? The just shall live by faith. Paul said that. Paul also said that we are to walk by faith and not by sight. And so it's not about what we see. So you might see your sickness. It doesn't matter. Uh, Pray for God to heal you. You might see your sin. It doesn't matter. Pray and have faith that God is a forgiver. And I like this because James is basically telling them, do something. Like, faith requires action. So there's action steps on all these things. He's saying, look, uh, if if you're cheerful, then do something about that. Take action. You can praise. You can worship. And that's an act of faith, but, but do something. Don't just sit around, you know. Uh, he says that the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Like, Don't forget, guys, and be encouraged by this, that there is great power in you. You have great power because you have the name of Jesus. You can pray fervently just like Elijah. And I love this because he's saying Elijah was just a man. That's all he was. It reminds me of the Rocky movies when Rocky comes over and Mickey, his trainer, is in his corner. And he's like, he's no machine. He's a man. You know, you could beat him. <coughs> it made me cough. Dude, my Mickey voice is not on point Do you tonight. need some water? You good? No, I'm good. All right. But my, Vic, my Mickey voice is not good. I can do it better, okay, later on. We'll do that. Uh, but <clears throat> he's saying, like, uh, Elijah was, was just a man. And he's, he's a human. Like us, okay? So if Elijah can have faith and the rain can be stopped, then you can have faith. That's what James is saying. You can, you can do it. Whatever it is, whatever miracle that you're believing for, whatever healing that you're believing for, take a, take a step of faith. Act on it. Do something with your faith. Come forward and ask for prayer. Sometimes that's a step of faith, right? Right? Because we we want to like internalize all of our issues. I, mean, I don't want to go to anybody at church. I don't want to ask for help. But it's a step of faith to ask for help. It's a step of faith to ask for prayer. And so when I think, you know, so many times you see Jesus being impressed by somebody's faith. And I think about the woman who had the issue of blood. She was bleeding for several years and couldn't get any doctor to help her. Um, and she wanted to get to Jesus, and she said to herself, if I can just get to the edge of his clothes, if I can just touch the edge of his garment, I know I'll be healed. Like, that woman had faith. And she presses through the crowd. There's so many people surrounding Jesus. She presses through. She doesn't give up. She takes action. She goes, and she gets her miracle. She doesn't let anything stop her. 
And she gets to Jesus, and she reaches out, and she, I don't know how close she was, but so many people pressing in, she grabs it, and instantly she's healed. And Jesus, he didn't even know that that was going on until it happened. And then he stopped and he said, whoa, I I perceive that power came out of me. Isn't that awesome? Like she just went and got her miracle. Like she had faith, but she didn't sit on the couch waiting around, you know. She had faith, but she took action and she went for it. And so uh, as, as James challenges the believers, we want to challenge you guys tonight. Uh, have faith and take action. Take a step of faith. Pray the prayer of faith. Pray for somebody. Pray for your family members. Pray for people who are so lost, you, you don't know if they're ever going to get saved or get right with God. Pray for them because your prayers can make a huge difference. Pray for a miracle. Pray uh, for a healing. Pray for uh, a breakthrough. Pray for a financial uh, debt to be removed. Pray for God to provide for you to go on to a mission trip. Pray for uh, God to provide for you to be a blessing to somebody else. Uh, pray for grace. If you're going through a, a time of suffering, like Mike said, uh, pray for a miracle because the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Yeah, and just in closing too, I just wanted to reiterate how there is a such a, a theme of faith that runs through James from the very first verse all the way to the very last verse. And, and just to kind of give it to you in summary, we've, we've talked through all of this now. And so in chapter one, it says to count it all joy because of the testing of your faith. And, and then also it says in there, if you lack wisdom, ask in faith. And then in chapter two, faith without works is dead. And in chapter four, having faith in the plan of God. And chapter five, being careful not to lose your faith in suffering. So James is definitely challenging us to not only just have faith, not only to, to be in the kingdom of God, but to act like we're part of the kingdom of God. Be of use in the kingdom of God. Faith partnered with action can do amazing things. Good. So. I hope you guys are encouraged uh, as we are uh, about the book of James. I hope that it stirs you up 